This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Winglings Under the Willow Tree. Previously on Winglings, Will and Timothy Toad escaped from Crow with Will's parents, who don't remember him or his baby sister Em. Going off nothing but his memory of Magborn's magical map, Will started the group's journey to the Temples of Light. It wasn't long before they stumbled upon the Tulip Kingdom, a fairy clan that lives in a swamp and talks faster than wings fly. Will told the Tulip Queen of their quest and of his parents' lost memory, but she was hesitant to help. 
The tulips had been tricked by the dark into revealing secrets and had even been attacked. Even now they are trapped in their own kingdom by a bungabow, while the dark sends reinforcements to finish them off. The queen offered to tell Will how he can help his parents and how to get to the Temples of Light if he will defeat the bungabow so the tulips can escape. Not knowing the danger he'd put himself in, Will agreed to fight the ferocious creature that patrolled the swamp. And now for episode 8, The Bungabow. My bones rattled from the creature's roar. I stared at it, mouth gaping, unable to move a muscle. A big fat green head appeared over the shrub at the other end of the swamp. My mouth went dry. There it was, the bungabow. Had I known the beast was roughly a million times my size, I might have reconsidered the fight. But Will, you might say, you defeated the black bees and the ink eels. What could you possibly be afraid of? Well, most things, actually. Even by fairy standards, I'm a complete baby. Light, it wasn't more than a few years ago that ladybugs gave me the willies. And don't even get me started on centipedes. All those little creepy crawly legs. Goo! Speaking of legs, my attention returned to the grotesque thing in front of me. It had six thick legs that protruded out of a fat, pig-like body. It stepped out from behind the shrub, and I could see the whole thing. Let me tell you, it was a whole lot of ugly. A giant green pig with horns down its back, six legs, and a tremendous wet nose that twitched as it sniffed the air. What would you like me to tell your family? The chubby tulip god asked. I replied without looking away from the monster. Why would you need to talk to my family? Well, it is customary to relay one's final words to their loved ones after they die. After I die, I said. You mean if I die? The god shook his head. When you die. Sheesh, I thought. Some encouragement. Where the praising prairies when you need them? It's gobbled up two dozen of our finest soldiers since it got here, the guard continued. When it's not eating a tulip fairy, it feeds on other mythical creatures surrounding the swamp. It's always eating. A hunger that can't be satisfied. Can't think of a single time I didn't see its mouth chewing, grinding its huge teeth. Chomp, chomp, chomp. I slowly turned to look at him. Thank you for that, I said sarcastically. Did they assign you to inspire all the challengers? My pixie, no wonder they're all dead. Why haven't you taken it on, Mr... Oh, right. The name's Gary. The guard shook my hand. My wings have a stutter. It makes me too slow to take on such a filthy creature. I do know a thing or two about him, though. Perhaps something that can help. Do share. The bungabo is practically blind. As far as we can tell, it can only distinguish between darkness and light, and not much else. No shapes or details. But make no mistake, that horned pig from the deep has a nose on him. Bungabos are distant cousins of the Bagashnossers, which means they can smell you out from a distance. It sees with its nose. The slightest change of scent in the air sets it off. 
We've tried disguising our scent with strong plants and mud. Challengers rubbed it all over before their fight, but it can always sniff through it. All it needs is for us to breathe to smell us. Unfortunately, like all living things, we have to breathe. Let's see. Nearly blind, strong sense of smell, pulverizes every fairy that challenges it. Yep, that's all I got. Good luck. Gary gave me a hard, enthusiastic pat on the back that nearly knocked me off my feet. I looked back at my parents and Tim, who wore glum expressions. In contrast, cradled in Ma's arms, Em smiled at me and clapped her hands. At least she believed in me. She always believed in me. As I flew up over the swamp towards the bungabo, I rested my hand upon Gabriel. I knew if there was ever a time I needed my Zaxlin's guidance, it was now. As always, the wise sword's words filled my mind. Start with the darts, Will, Gabriel instructed. Keep your distance and fly quickly. Already sniffing out my approach, the bungabo turned to face me, its buck-toothed mouth growling. It had been anxiously awaiting a new challenger. I lifted my pipe, reached back and slid a dart from my quiver into it, and then took aim at a black wart right between its clouded, blind eyes. <coughs> the dart blew from my pipe and whizzed by the bungabo's head as it ducked and rolled out of the way. Landing back on its six feet, it roared and charged me. My heart fluttered at the incredible speed of the animal. Despite its size, it moved like a cockroach, its legs scurrying quickly across the soft soil. It leaped for me, mouth wide, but I flew just out of its reach as it chomped down. I loaded another dart and fired. This one hit its target just above the right shoulder blade. The beast shook its shoulders and roared. Fangs bared, it jumped up at me. Luckily, I'd flown too high. Or so I thought. To my horror, the bungabo shrugged off my dart and started climbing up the nearest tree towards me. <coughs> Three more darts whistled down at it as I fled upwards. Two of the darts stuck into the creature's fat legs, but to no effect. Its blubber must have been too thick. The leaker dart's toxin wasn't penetrating deep enough to paralyze. Jumping from branch to branch, between trees, the monster was gaining on me. My tiny wings could only fly so fast. The monster's six-legged stride outpaced me. Panicked, I looked up. I still had half the tree to go. Feeling desperate and beyond horrified, I retired my blowpipe and reached for my Zaxlin. If the Likadarts weren't going to do it, I'd have to try to cut him down with the sword. Even though I knew it was a fool's errand... The green pig was much faster than me. If I got too close, it'd simply bend its head and gobble me up. Another snack, compliments of the tulip clan. Again the bungabo jumped at me, snapping the branch below under its hefty weight. Flying as fast as I could, I reached out, grabbed a branch and whirled around it, sending me rocketing back down the tree and zipping by the creature's half-chewed ear. Immediately its nose followed my trail. It pulled itself onto the highest branch and then crawled quickly down the trunk after me like a hungry spider. I landed on the ground and caught my breath. I was lucky the beast was blind. Had he been able to see, he would have simply tilted his head and caught me in his mouth. But that Gary was right. Its sense of smell was quick in picking me up. Gabriel shouted in my mind, "'Throw me! You'll never have a chance if you get too close!' 
He was right. There was no way I would get close enough to slash at him. I'd have to put all my faith in my Zaxlin. Breathing heavily, I reached back and threw Gabriel. The sword's wings came to life and fluttered furiously, sending the sword spinning toward the charging monster. It curved on its way up, trying to predict the bungabo's next jump. Closer and closer it twirled, moonlight reflected in the steel blade. Just as Gabriel made his last rotation inches from its target, the pig jumped out of the way. Unable to change course so suddenly, the Zaxlin sank deep into the branch's wood, stuck halfway up the tree. My heart sank. This was it. All of my options had been exhausted, and now the bungabow, only a few branches away, would make a meal out of me. With one last terrifying roar, the beast jumped and landed in front of me. Mud flew up from the impact, and the pig's green blubber jiggled. "'Enough of that!' shouted Tim. Out of nowhere, he jumped in front of me with arms outstretched. "'Tim, what are you doing?' I said. "'Get out of here!' "'Quiet, you! Get back and stay down!' The bungabo paused, its flat, wet nose sensing a new smell. "'I said enough!' Tim scolded as if he were telling off a roly-poly pup. Slowly, the beast stepped towards us. Tim stepped back with me until we were up against the tree. There was nowhere to go. The bungabo was about to get two for one, all because Tim was too thick to stay back and watch over my family. "'There'll be no dinner tonight,' Tim said to the monster, his arms still outstretched and his back pressed against me. A green, spongy nose bigger than both of us twitched within centimeters of Tim. It wriggled as it sniffed him up and down. I remembered what Gary had said and held my breath. The leaky nostrils stopped by Tim's face and dilated before letting out a long, stinky exhale. Then, to my great astonishment, the bungabo backed away. Whoa, Tim must be even stinkier than I thought. Even that giant schnoz was no match for his toadish body odor. I let out my breath. Immediately, the beast caught my scent and stiffened back into a lunge. Tim held his hand up. Don't breathe. Don't breathe. I tried holding my breath again, but it was too late. I'd been sniffed out. The bungabo charged. It scurried across the mud. Run! Tim shouted before being knocked away by the creature's snout. Flying as fast as my wings would carry me, I pushed for the swamp. The bungabo's open mouth was inches from me and getting closer by the second. Its rank breath told me how close its teeth were to welcoming me into the foul cavernous cave of the beast's insides. Suddenly, the smell subsided. Stunned, I looked back to see the bungabo skidding to a stop at the edge of the water. I looked down at the water and then back at the pig. Light, is that it? I thought. Is that green blob afraid of water? Carefully, I fluttered back towards it, keeping my distance. Furious, but frightened, the bungabo roared at me and then quickly stepped back as the loose mud at the swamp's edge sank into the water. Behind him, I could see Tim's surprised face. He knew I'd found the beast's weakness. Calmly, I closed my eyes and called the swamp's pixie to me. 
The warm light sank into my pores and filled me with strength and courage. My heart thudded in my chest with renewed power. I thought of the spells I'd learned. First, to control the wind, the word, Gephora. Then the power to move water, restore. I opened my eyes and raised my hand at the blind bungalow. Restoro Gephora! I shouted. A pillar of water rose from the swamp and with a powerful gust of wind was blown at the beast. As the water splashed over it, the monster squealed, its green skin sizzling like bacon. Restoro Gephora! I shouted again. An even bigger wave crashed over the pig, burning its filthy flesh. The pig rolled and rolled in agony. As I started to say my spell once more to finish him off, the bungabo sprang to its wounded legs and scurried off into the woods. In its retreat, I heard a branch above snap. Then I saw a silver object drop down onto the fleeing pig. The creature rolled and then was still. The silver object, my Zaxlin, Gabriel, pulled himself free and flew back to me. As I sheathed him, he said, Zaxlins always finish what they start. Besides, we didn't want him sniffing us out down the road. I smiled. Right you are. Willem Wingling, you did it! I heard my mother shout. You beat it, you crazy, crazy little boy! Da cheered next to her. Gary the guard stood speechless in front of the castle. Tim leaned back against a stump, stunned, silent, and looking almost embarrassed. Like bees pouring out of nests, the entire Tulip clan flew from their homes and rejoiced. They carried me off to the castle, shouting praises and hugging one another. The celebration was overwhelming, for every Tulip fairy spoke at once. Their excitement made their words hum together even more than usual. Around them, thousands of fireflies danced and swirled up into bright tornadoes of twinkling light, enshrouding the entire swamp in an ethereal glow. The noise quieted when we reached the queen in her chambers. A rare but welcome smile crossed her face, and dipping her silver braid low, she bowed before me. The live tulips on her gown's collar bloomed bright and full of color. She nodded at the guards to close the doors behind me. The crowds of chatty silver-haired fairies were ushered out of the palace. "'You have done it, Willem Wingling,' she said in an unusually slow tone for a tulip. I could tell she was intentionally calming her speech so I could better understand. "'You have broken the curse placed upon us. Thanks to you we can now safely escape before the dark returns.' She looked at me with a pleasant expression, relieved that she can now trust me fully. You have honoured your end of our agreement, and now I will honour mine. To restore your parents' memory, take them straight north of here, through the forest, until you reach the Deserts of Dread. Deserts of Dread? That doesn't sound very promising. The Queen smiled again. Trust me, Will. You will be safe so long as you stay on the path. If you stray, the desert sands can play tricks on you. But you are a strong, wise young lad. I trust you can follow that one simple rule. Journey down that path, 
over the dunes until you reach the glorious Saworo Cacti. There you will find the Cacti Clan. It is they, with their unique oils and prickly pear pixie, that can heal your parents' memory. Hopefully it will bring you answers. From there, to find the Temples of Light, head northwest. You will see the Hagaroth Mountains in the distance. Follow them until you reach the foothills. There you will find a clear road that follows along the base of the mountains northward. Most settlements along the foothills are safe and friendly, and may aid you in your journey. But be careful, not everyone means well. As you've learned yourself, the dark has eyes everywhere nowadays. Be vigilant. Follow that road along the mountains until you find a narrow pass. Go through it, up the mountains, over the cliffs, until you reach the Rainbow Ridge. On the other side of it you will find a beautiful little valley, one that will fill you with an unspeakable joy at the sight of it. It is there that you will find your temples of light. I stared at her, trying to process all that she had told me. Sensing my desperation to cling to her instructions, she said, Worry not, Willem, for I have spoken light. I have infused my words with Pixie that you may remember them clearly. As she said it, her instructions blazed to life in golden letters in my mind, words as clear and strong and true as the voice of Gabriel. As if reading my thoughts, the queen looked at my sword. I trust Magborn has spoken to you of the responsibility of those who carry Zaxlin's and wield pixie power. I thought for a moment and then nodded. I believe so. I wouldn't say we finished my training, but he taught me the basics. The queen considered me thoughtfully. Indeed. Will, will you give him something for me the next time you see him? I wouldn't bet on such a thing, your highness. He abandoned me, and I don't expect him to return. Even so, the queen said, pulling a necklace from a chest. It was beautiful, a silver chain holding a single crystal growing out of a brown mushroom. Dangling next to it was a blue feather and a red feather. She lowered the necklace over my head. It may serve you well before you see him. Do not lose it and do not show anyone if you can help it. It is a secret for you and Magborn alone. See that he receives it? I studied the crystal in my hand. I promise to keep it safe and, well, if Magborn ever does show up, I'll be sure he gets it. Light with you, Willem Wingling. I trust we will meet again. I headed for the door. Owen will, the queen said. I stopped and turned back to her. When you see Magborn, tell him that we await him, that I await him. As you wish, my lady. I bowed my head and walked out the door. You've been listening to Winglings Under the Willow Tree, a production of the Purple Rocket Podcast. If you enjoy these stories, please tell a friend and let us know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. Spread the word so others can discover the stories that you love. Thank you all so much for listening and for supporting the podcast. And be sure to tune in next Monday for an all-new episode. This is your host, Greg Webb.